Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. So on and so forth. So, so glad that you guys are here. So fun to be doing community together. I've, I don't know everyone in the room. My name is Landon Snow. My wife and I co-lead this church. She's in the back taking care of kids. So we were not here last week, and we missed you guys. We were in Disney Orlando. I need like a ooh or a sigh or something. How many of you love Disney? How many of you don't like Disney? Yeah, there's like this huge paradox when you bring up Disney. Some people are like, great, and some people are like, ah. Okay, yeah, Disney. Um, I, I, I used to uh, not be able to stand Disney. So the first time I went, I was 20 years old. And uh, we went in August, and I didn't have any children yet. And I thought, this is literally hell on earth. Like hell is standing in a line for three hours with people dressed in costumes all around you. This is literally the most hopeless place on the planet. And get a name. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Half of you know what I'm talking about? Well, uh, that was at 20. And so now I'm uh, 15 years older than that. And I have four children. So we went and they had a blast. They absolutely loved it. Um, it wasn't very hot somehow. And there was like almost no one there. So the lines were, we would like ride the same roller coasters over and over. And they just absolutely loved it. And we had just an amazing time. They do these parades um, throughout the park all the time, and so you follow the schedule and you get to them. You, you get to know where the parade is. You don't want to miss these parades, you know. Anna and Elsa, and the all—that's I have four girls. For those you don't, that's my entire life is Anna and Elsa and Ariel. And so they 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 loved it so much. I turned around and there was a dad that had a shirt on. It said Disney, the most expensive day ever. And I thought, this guy, this sums up my entire trip right here. Like, how can you spend so much money in one day? Can I get an amen? When, when Stacy was talking about what do you need, I was like, God, please give us the money back for that bad decision. So forgive us for making that, for not stewarding our resources. Um, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but just to be uh, really honest with you, I'm not really a judgmental person. But there are a lot of weird people at Disney. I mean, like, like really weird. Like, I would love them, and they could totally come to church here, but very weird people. Like, people dressed in, like, Darth Vader outfits with, like, Mickey Mouse fanny packs. Like, the same person wearing that same outfit together. Like, Donald Duck tattoos and his and her matching Mickey and Minnie outfits. Like, the, the whole thing just... just just crazy, just crazy people. And uh, so the first hour I was like, my, my goal was not to have fun. It was to protect my children from all these weirdos. Like they will not be out of sight, I promise you. We, we actually, we were the, the crazy family that had leashes on all the kids. When I was younger, I thought that was child abuse. Uh, now that I have four kids, I'm like, this is divine wisdom. Um, but it was mainly because of all the weird people that were there. So anyway, so after two hours of protecting the kids, like five hours in, lo and behold, 
I have like an aerial shirt on. I have like a goofy hat on. I'm like, Disney's the greatest place in the world. Uh, my kids are totally never going to let us not go every single year for the rest of their lives. So um, we joined the cult. We joined the Disney cult. Uh, we, we're officially we're officially a part of the, the Disney cult. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Disney's not a cult. I don't actually believe that for those of you who don't know me. And I'm not judging the people who wear Darth Vader outfits. I think that's to each their own. But we're, we're really glad to be back. I think we're, we're still recuperating. I feel like I, you, know, you need a vacation from your vacation. Man, this one was no joke. You need a vacation from Disney, like, big time. But we're, we're doing well. Really are glad to be back. Excited about all the stuff that God's doing at Cedar House and excited to just experience all these fun announcements that Josh had. So anyway, well, today there's something on my heart I do want to talk about. I want to talk about spiritual authority and what that means and how to grow in that and what does that all entail. Um, I've been on, I've been a Christian my whole life. I fell in love with God about 15 years ago when I found out that he was good and he was a good father and that he was for me and really directed my life towards him. And I've been on this journey with him of learning what is spiritual authority. Jesus mentions it several times, and how do we walk that out? And I'm going to base this off of uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And G- this is when Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no, nor money. Do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever you, do not, wherever you are not received, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. It is really important to God that we are preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and that people are getting healed. And he sent them out to do this. This is still what we're supposed to be doing today. Talking about the Father's kingdom. And miracle signs and wonders following us. Demonstrating the nature of the Father. This has not changed. But in order to be able to do that. Look at what he says there. I give you power and authority. Power and authority. So I'm going to. We're going we're gonna to dive into this. Well, one of the fun things of. Um going to Disney. Oh, yeah, I, meant, I meant to mention this earlier. Because we went to Disney and liked it, you're going to hear about Disney probably every sermon for the next like 300 days. So It'll die down and then we're going to go back next year and it's going to ramp back up, the Disney stories. One of the, um, we, we stayed in this like hotel kind of resort thing and there's a, a hotel. For those of you who have kids or around kids, they are fascinated with the elevators. They just absolutely love elevators. But you know what they're more fascinated with other than elevators? The buttons inside the elevator. They just want to touch it all the time, right? So we had to set up like a schedule and like a cadence. Like this is when you can do it. This is your day. You know, we were on the sixth floor too. So it was just nonstop stopping. Well, they they have this idea that because they're young and they're learning and they're figuring it out, if I hit the button and nothing happens immediately, I'm just going to keep hitting it. And it's just like something has to change if I just keep doing that, right? And, and a lot of times spiritual authority is like that. It's like we talk about it, and we, like, encourage each other, like, yeah, we have authority. 
but but are we just going to just keep hitting the button and talking about it, or is there a way that we can grow and advance in it? So I've titled this sermon, Do You Know What Is Available? Do You Know What Is Available? Awesome. I'm going to pray. God, we love you. Thank you for today. You're just an amazing father. You're just really good. You're, you're awesome. You're really good at your job. Holy Spirit, you're just the best comforter. We just depend on you, God. I pray that today there's a shift and we understand how to grow and be aware more of what we have in spiritual authority. I thank you that LSU football is undefeated. And we pray for Coach Ed Ogeron and our team that we would win the national championship. And the, the body of Christ said, Amen. So thankful for the French truck coffee too, man. Whenever you're, uh, when you start a church, a church is an interesting uh, organization to start. You know, it's like, how do you measure fruit? You start a business, it's pretty obvious how you measure fruit. A church isn't really like that. And I, today when French truck coffee, I was like, this is success. <laughs> when the best coffee shop in the city is giving you coffee, we have, we have reached the pinnacle. No, I'm just kidding. All right. How, how many of you like being promoted? Promotions, right? Promotions are really fun. Well, I, about six years ago, I had a pretty drastic promotion in my life. I was, um, I was doing street ministry. I was helping a sputtering church. It's not making any money. I had no one worked for me. I had very little influence from a natural standpoint. And in a day, I became the president of a 60-person, $13 million business. I went from no authority to this giant jump into managing $13 million and about 60 people. And it was an amazing season, and I learned so much through that process. But to be honest with you, it was actually a really painful jump of learning how to manage that and manage that well. And the number one thing that I learned throughout that journey with God and my walk with him was about authority, how to handle myself in authority and what is authority. I remember so many times that I'd be in a meeting and I knew I should have stepped up and exerted myself in a way of someone who had all authority and I didn't do it. And I remember so many instances where I I knew I had the, I knew it had been given to me but I had not believed it enough to start exercising myself in the capacity to to start showing authority. And the business did well. It kept growing and kept prospering. But in that time, it was a painful process of learning how to manage myself within authority. See, I was given all, but I was functioning at about 25%. So it was fun, like, you know, my name plaque said president. And my business card said president, and people would introduce me as the president of this business. And people who knew how big it was, they were like, okay, this guy must know what he's doing, you know. But inside, I was hiding from it. I didn't know what to do with it. I had not fully grasped that I had all authority. And I went from zero to 100 just because someone had given me delegated authority. The owners of this business commissioned me to have all authority in the organization. And I sputtered along to figure out how, 
What is the best way to steward this? What is the best way to manage myself amongst this? How can I serve people the best now that I have all authority? And it's very, very similar in our process with God. How many of you have heard of the Great Commission? I'm going to read the Great Commission for you. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when, he, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm going to read that verse again. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All means all. Jesus had all authority. And then he gave it to you and I and said, now go and do what I've been doing. In this moment, you and I were commissioned with all authority. Now, how many of you, every day in your life, you feel like you have all authority over all the problems in your life? It doesn't feel that way every day, does it? But he has positioned you and I in a place where we have all authority, and now we're learning how to exercise that muscle. We're learning to take up the space that he has given us to take up. See, because you have all authority, now that when anytime you're involved in a situation, there's solutions. God has put answers inside of you to the problems with the situations around you because you have all authority. And just like I had to learn how to manage myself in authority in the natural, we were given all authority here, and now we're trying to figure out how to manage it to have all authority. Can I get an amen? Okay. Now, here's the question. That's true. He gave us all authority. Now, now what are we going to do with it? We have a couple options here that we can, we can utilize in us learning that we have all authority. Okay, so the first option is we can just talk about it. So as believers in Christian circles that I've been into, you know, we enjoy talking about spiritual authority. Um, it's almost as like if we say it enough or we recite scripture enough, we're, then we're going to have it. Uh, we'll even use it in prayer like this, like, God, we just take authority over something. Or we bind this, that, that type of language. But the truth is, it's just talking about spiritual authority is not going to unlock spiritual authority. See, I, I get to work with a lot of business owners. None of them say to one of their employees, I take authority in this situation. And I need you to go do this for me. If you are in a position in the natural where you have to tell someone you have authority over them, that's not authority. See, carrying yourself as someone who has authority is a posture in your heart. It's a way that you face problems. It's a way that you view life. Every business owner I work with, when a problem arises, they, every good one, they think, okay, what solution can I provide? It's, I have authority. God has given me dominion in this area, and I'm going to take authority over it. See, here's the deal. It just talking about it does nothing in the unseen world. 
I promise you, if we're just saying, hey, we have authority, we have all authority, we have spiritual authority, the demons in the unseen world, we're not scaring them. This is a real story I'm about to tell you in the Bible. This is in Acts 19. There are people going out, healing the sick and casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And a demon-possessed man, a demon speaks out and says, they were trying to cast him out, and he says, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but I don't know who you are. It says he attacked them, overcame them, and they ran out bloodied and naked. Now, I don't want to be attacked by a demon-possessed man bloodied and naked. Amen? But what was that? That was the unseen world knowing who had authority and who didn't. And so walking around just talking about it and acting like we're taking authority, it's not actually doing anything. In the Christian ecosystem that we've created, I'm not saying it. I just opened up a whole web here. We, can, we start championing things as Christians a lot of times that is not actually affecting the world around us. And so as we're doing that, we just, you know, we get excited because you have spiritual authority and I have a spiritual authority, but nothing's coming from it, then that's not spiritual authority. And in the unseen world, they can see who believes that. It's like the angelic and the demonic can see it and say, the way this guy postures his life, he has it. And he gets it. But here's the thing. We all have it. Okay, so let me show you a story of a man who understood this. I love this story. You guys with me? Okay. I absolutely love this story. This is a story. Of, it's called The Faith of the Centurion. This is in uh, Matthew 8. I'm going to read 5 through 10. Okay, he said, uh, When he, Jesus, entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. He said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. This is Jesus saying, cool, I'll, I'll come and heal him. But the, but the centurion man replied, said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only if you say the word and my servant will be healed. Now listen to this. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, I truly, I tell you, I have not seen in Israel anyone with this much faith. Amazing. This guy just says, look, you don't actually, I know you're willing. You don't actually have to come do it. You just need to commission me to go do it, and I'll go do it. And he said, because I understand how this works. I understand delegated authority. I have people who work for me, and I say, go do it, and they go do it. So, Jesus, if you just tell me to go do it, it'll happen. And it shocked God. This is all-knowing Jesus, and it, he, mar- he was, oh, my gosh, I have not seen anyone with this much faith. So Jesus equated someone who understood authority with faith. Are you with me? This, this wasn't a faith-filled moment. This was... No, I get it. I understand how this works. You just give the command and I'm going to go do it. And Jesus said, this man has the most faith of anyone I've seen in the nation because he understood what to do with it. See, you and I are in a position, God has positioned us to be in a place to say, okay, he said go do this, I'm going to go do it. No questions. 
He didn't ask, what's the 10-step model of prayer? Got it. Heal the sick. Perfect. Love the loveless. Take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. That type of thing. He just, he understood the commission and he went with it. See, all of us have what I'm going to call a justice meter. If you ever see a child that's sick, it's like a four-year-old child that has cancer. Everyone in the room, you know that's wrong, right? You can feel that that's not right. Am I, if there's Christians in the room, can you wave your hand if you know that that's not right? You see a sick child. You see a woman that's physically abused. You see an elderly person not being taken care of. You see someone stealing. You know that that's not right. For the, this isn't in the Bible. I'm going to call that your justice meter. And you know when something's not right. And that, that compassion and that burning in you to see a change, that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't show a problem unless he gives a solution for the problem. See, this is what happens. When I see a five-year-old that has cancer, it weighs on me so heavy. And I have two options. I think, this is such a helpless situation. Half of me, I'm just being honest. That's how I feel. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like the enemy got in again. But the reality is, if we take up the space that this man took up was, cool, it's, well, let's pray activate faith. He gave us authority to heal the sick and raise the dead. I'm going to activate faith and go put my hands on this person. Are you with me? That makes sense? So in the, that justice meter thing, someone who understands a posture of authority can say, okay, this isn't going to happen on my watch. No, people aren't sick around me. No, there's not going to be sick children around me because I have authority in this situation. Okay, now, do you want more spiritual authority from the right crowd? So, we're talking about what it is, what not to do with it, what to do with it. Let's talk about how to get more of it. So, I am, I love the Bible. Praise God for the Word of God. Amen? Love the Bible. Love every word in the Bible. Um, we, we have scriptures in the Bible. There are four books that have different accounts of the life of Jesus. And the best we can, we pull truth and revelation from it. And there's this one passage where Jesus appears to give us a key into gaining more spiritual authority. You guys want to hear about it? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. It's in Matthew 17. Okay. Jesus sent out the disciples like, like we're just talking about. He sent them out and said, heal the sick raise the dead, do all this stuff. And they're out doing the stuff. All these people are getting healed. Food's getting multiplied. You know, the stuff's happening. The normal Christian life, the normal Christian life kind of stuff, right? So all this stuff is happening, and they get to this one person, and they can't heal the child. It won't work. And so the person comes to Jesus and says, hey, um, can you heal him? We brought him to your disciples, but it didn't work. Jesus healed the man, or healed the child. Let me just stop the story right there. If you read that story and say, look, even the disciples couldn't do it, that gives us, that means we don't have to pray for the sick. Jesus now lives in you, and when Jesus was on the scene, he healed the sick. Amen? Okay, so then afterwards, 
Jesus would always do these like demonstrative, if you will, like displays of power. And the disciples that were hungry would go to him afterwards in the quiet place and say, hey, tell me about that. He'd give a parable and then he'd say, hey, tell me about that. That's the same way he does things with us. When something happens, you get with him in the quiet place like, hey, what was that about? So this person gets healed and the disciples say, hey, why, why couldn't we do that? This is the disciples showing hunger, wanting to know why, why didn't that work? And Jesus says a couple things, and one of the things he says is this. This kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. It's not the sexy answer. You're like, can we just, do we have to work that hard? Can we just, like, pray again, you know? He says, look, they were hungry for a key. No one had seen that amount of miracle signs and wonders as the disciples, and they came up to a situation that they couldn't fix. And they go to Jesus and say, okay, what are we supposed to do? And he says, this kind of only comes out through prayer and fasting. You know what that means for you and I if we want more spiritual authority? Pray and fast. And I, I have so much conviction in just talking about this. I've got so lazy in this area. You know, I know so much scripture. I'm a, I'm a professional Christian, guys. I'm a pastor of a church. And I can fall into just the most lazy routine and get up here and do this, and everything's fine, and not grow in my spiritual walk. And my point is, is I've gotten away from fasting. I was reading this when I was in Disney. I thought, I, I have to go to the next level. Everyone I'm praying for doesn't get healed yet. What does that mean? i got to pray and fast. Jesus didn't say, hold on, let me go pray and fast. He lived a life of prayer and fasting and delivered the goods when the problem came up. See, what we do is when we see a problem, we want to call a fast. And I'm 100, that's biblical too. The point is, is when, when, when no one's in need, are we still in a lifestyle and a posture of prayer and fasting? To the level that you are surrendered to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting is the level of spiritual authority you can walk in. Not a, quick, not a quick fix. But the thing about prayer and fasting is it sounds like, oh, man. And once you get in it, you're like, gosh, I wish I did this every day. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, man, Netflix would be so much more fun than this at first. And you're in it, and you're like, gosh, I'm the most shallow person in the world. Are you with me? Okay. So as a community, as an individual, wanting to grow in your spiritual authority, prayer and fasting, learning how to pray and fast. So, so the first part is knowing that you have it, believing that you have it. The second part is prayer and fasting. And in the Great Commission, when he says go, there's something about going. Like, go, oh, I have spiritual authority. I'm going to pray and fast. Okay, now move. Go. Go into the nation. It activates faith. You guys with me? Can we be a people that pray and fast and grow in spiritual authority? I don't know why he did it that way, but he did. He really enjoys us surrendering to a point where we would not even put natural nourishment in our body to show devotion. And so that's the system he set up. So he's in charge. And so we just need to yield to that. You guys with me? All right.
in closing, I'll say this. This is so important to him. He, he really, really cares about this. I mean, from the beginning, he created Adam and Eve. And he says to them, he says, I want you to take dominion and subdue the earth. This is him saying, hey, I give you all authority. And so every day he meets with Adam. Adam's naming the animals. Adam's learning how to take dominion over the earth. And he had one rule. He said, hey, you just, you just can't take the fruit from this tree. Adam made a mistake, took the fruit from the tree. And the whole Old Testament is this story that shows the power of sin and what it looks like when you and I aren't in position of authority. Jesus, the, the whole plan was around you and I having delegated authority to a point to where he had to send his son to come back and show us what it looks like. So Jesus comes back, dies for our sins, dies, comes back to life, and then he says to him, hey guys, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. This is what he's saying. Hey, the, the keys that we lost in the garden, I have those back. Now let's go. Are you with me? He went through so much stuff for you and I to know that we have spiritual authority. Amen? You can be the level that you're at right now for the rest of your life in your Christian walk if you want. And there's enough of us Christians doing it where everyone will still think you're a good person and you're trying. Are you with me? You can cover up not having spiritual authority and not taking up the space you're supposed to take up by doing the Christian routine stuff, and it will be okay, and God will love you. But he's reserved a place for us that has so much power and authority if we'll step into it. I would like to be that. Would you? Do you want to experience everything in the book? We're going to have to step up our level of authority. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.